Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Right, thank you for the team leading us this morning. And uh, do you invite you to turn to Second Corinthians once again and continuing our study. And uh, Isaac did tackle the last couple of verses of chapter 4 last week. And I do want to read again from verse 16 of chapter 4, but we are going to pick it up in chapter 5, uh, verse 1, uh, down to verse 10. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So just so far, uh, the reading of God's Word, please uh, pray with me. Lord, we do come and ask that your word would really penetrate our hearts today. Lord, that we would be encouraged, as we've read in this passage, that your spirit would give me, Lord, unction in preaching, each of us, Lord, a willingness to receive and accept that which you are teaching us. And so we commend each other to you, praying your gracious and good hand upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thought I'd start uh, the message and introduce it this morning by going back quite a few years. There was a time when we lived in a church house here at Central. The house used to be in Linwood. Some of you will remember 12 The Ring. Well, we eventually moved from the church manse. That's what it was called. And in that process, I needed to load up a pile of gum poles that had been lying next to the garage, only to discover a long-lost instrument. At first, I didn't recognize what this decaying piece of wood was, but I soon identified it, and I describe it as follows, as a specially designated wooden spoon that had months before mysteriously disappeared. 
Okay, you all know what it was, eh? I'd found what used to be the paddle or rod for helping young boys, and I two of them, in the ways of right and wrong via the seat of understanding. <laughs> it had now become a useless, rotten piece of wood. You see, months of being exposed to the elements and termites left this wooden spoon crumbling and simply wasting away. It could no longer be used for its intended purpose, leaving me no other option but to throw it in the bin. The spoon had come to the end of its useful life. Like that spoon, I want us to think about that spoon this morning, the hard truth that cannot be denied, and my very first point this morning, death is a certainty we must all face. The words of the hymn writer Isaac Watts are so true. I listen carefully to these words. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away. It continues. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. Job records for us in chapter 14 of his book, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow. He does not endure. Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months, have set limits he cannot exceed. So look away from him and set him alone till he is put in his time like a hired hand. Folk, it's true. And we acknowledge and we know that you and I, we have marvelous, we have amazing bodies. It's an amazing machine. The psalmist expresses praise to God for the miracle of the body. Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts. We are of God's making, of God's design, knitted me together in my mother's womb, wonderfully, majestically. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. But it's perishing. It's perishing. Verse 16 of the passage that I read of chapter 4. Outwardly we are wasting away. And so from the very day you were conceived, you started moving closer and closer to a point of collapse. The magnificent body with all its amazing complexity deteriorates and eventually, sooner or later, it dies. Paul understood this. We see this in this passage this morning, the inevitable reality of dying in chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed. The nature of a tent, while it may be in good condition, those of us who have camped in the course of our lives, we know this. It may be in good condition when we first acquire the tent. But eventually the canvas will perish and rot and tear and leak. And eventually the tent will be useless as a dwelling. The tent will collapse. And so this morning we recognize and I did pray that the Lord would encourage us this morning. And we're going to get there. All right. So like a tent, we do need to understand our bodies have limited durability. 
like a tent, our bodies can be likened to a temporary dwelling. And like a tent, our bodies are subject to wear and tear in and through the very storms from which our body protects us. We rightfully can speak of a life span. Our lives in our bodies have a beginning and it has an end. If our Lord Jesus does not return during your or my lifetime, our bodies, our bodies like a fragile tent, has a destiny to be destroyed. And there are various ways. It can be through natural deterioration or decay. It can be through physical accident or danger. But eventually the body is destroyed. But, but, now we move on to the better part of the passage. But we must deal with reality. Here in this passage we see that death is not the end. In spite of what looks like an inevitable catastrophe, my second point, life beyond death is a certainty to anticipate. Imagine for a moment you were like that spoon, just wasting away, getting old, disfigured, eventually discarded, eventually forgotten, without meaning or purpose, without any kind of prospect, what, what would that kind of life be like? Surely it would be extremely disconcerting and discouraging. It would be described merely as existence. With the added anxiety, this, this reality of death hanging over your head as the final catastrophe, always knowing that there's a day, there's a day up ahead where this final misery to end all miseries is lurking around in the shadows. That's a secular view of life. You live and you die, and it's done. But thanks to God, there is a believer, for the revelation is given us, made in the image of God. You're not like that spoon. There are unseen eternal prospects awaiting every believer who passes from this life. So the good news this morning, all the oldies sitting in front here, and I sit with you, there is another era of existence. There's another era of existence. Read the first verse again. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. There is in death, and I like this word actually, a passing from, from one realm of existence to another. There's a transition that takes place from a temporary dwelling, the tent, to a permanent home. And so I want to ask the question today. Many people think about this. We don't often talk about it. What happens at the point of death? Well, there's an immediate movement into the presence of Christ. Verse 8 Later on in the passage, and I'll get to that just now, described as being at home with the Lord. We find Jesus comforting his disciples also in view of his imminent death and their concern. Let not your hearts be troubled, John chapter 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many rooms. There is another realm of existence. If it were not so, would I not have told you I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I love these words, I will come again and take you to be with me where I am. So at the point of death, the believer passes into another realm of existence. And down the sphere of existence into the very presence of Christ. Now, here's a lovely picture. I find this, this description that Jesus gives great encouragement regarding this passing, this transition, this process that a believer undergoes at the point of death. Luke chapter 16, verse 20. A poor man named Lazarus. Remember the story? Goes on in verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abram's side. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture of death? Just thinking of your loved one passing from this life and in a realm that we cannot see, an angel, angels moving that person into the presence of God. Does that change your picture of death a little? We see a similar encouragement and assurance for the believer of the word spoken by Jesus to the repentant thief beside him on the cross. Luke 23, 43. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Transition, immediate. It's no wonder Paul says that death is gain. To enter paradise into the presence of God with more to come. That's only the first part of the transition that takes place. He'd already elaborated in his previous, or 1 Corinthians, as we have a chapter 15, he had elaborated on, in a long description of the resurrected body. You will get a new body. You will get it. Listen to some of these words uh, Paul uses describing uh, the transition at the time of Jesus' coming. Uh, chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, in other words, listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, this mortal body must put on immortality. Think about Jesus in his glorified body. That body was, we could say, in continuity with his incarnate body. So also with us. The body that was knitted together in our mother's womb. Our present body will eventually be resurrected or transformed in eternal continuity. I want to quote uh, yeah, Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology. Uh, I think he has a statement worth uh, quoting. Uh, the continuity affirms the goodness of God's physical creation. Listen to these words. We will live in bodies that have all excellent qualities that God created us to have. And thereby we will forever be living proof of the wisdom of God in making a material creation that from the beginning, remember, was very good. We will live 
as resurrected believers in those new bodies, and they will be suitable for inhabiting, and what Peter says in Second Peter 3, the new heavens, the new earth, where righteousness dwells. So, folk, there is more. And I hope that encourages you beyond this life. This life passes, passes quickly. There's much more beyond death. Life beyond death is a certainty we can anticipate from the Scriptures. It's not a mystery to be feared. But what happens in the meanwhile? Which leads me to my third point. Living in the present with the certainty of hope. What about today? What about the present? What about life in the midst of the storms, the difficulties? What about life in the midst of the sunshine, the good times? Well, it seems to me that the Apostle Paul lives with attention. And the, the title of this message today is that tension. And, and he, he, he specifies it or he speaks of it in Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ. So there's, there's purpose, there's function, there's, there's meaning. But to die is gain. There's something better. If I'm to live in the flesh, that's fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? This tension, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. So we come then to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We see the same kind of tension. Paul is torn. The difficult present, the promised future. Now, now look in your Bibles at the second verse. They're quite difficult verses. I had to read them a number of times to try and understand what he's saying here. For in this tent we groan. Now this body we grow, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that is what is mortal may be swallowed up with life. Now I'm going to try and break that up a bit. Let's see if we can uh, put it in sort of practical pastoral realities. We live in the present time. There is certainty of hope, hope for better things, even though we have reason to groan. I'm giving you permission, on the basis of what the Bible says this morning, to groan. But you're going to see in a minute, it's a certain kind of groaning. It's groaning that is not just moaning. Again, I'm going to try and elaborate on that now. See, Paul is painfully aware that so much of what is true in this present life with difficulties is so different to what lies ahead. The body is like an old car. Some of you have old cars. I have an old car. Things continually go wrong. I took my daughter to the airport last night to go back to university, and sure enough, a stone hit my windscreen and chipped it. But that's just a little thing. Tires are wearing out. Battery goes flat, isn't it? In the winter time, you find every doesn't start. Exhaust gets blowholes in it. The brake pads are scraping on the disc. Dents from the park. Do, do you get the idea? Your, your body is like an old car. Well, let me go to you for a minute and me. Blood pressure is too high. 
cholesterol blocking your veins. Teeth if you have them. Hair if you have it. Isn't it true? Tumors growing. Conducted a memorial service yesterday of the lady that had all four of her limbs amputated 12 years ago. See, the body, body is like an old car. Blocking veins, maybe amputation, growing deafness, eyes failing, gout, corns, hip replacements, arthritis, and I think we can go on and on. The, the point is there is much to groan about. But the groaning is not moaning or just moaning. And I want to rather use the word positive groaning. Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. It's groaning in anticipation for something better. I was surprised and encouraged, I guess, to find that Romans chapter 8 has three different illustrations or instances where groaning takes place. And I thought, well, let me include them in my message. It helps us understand something of the thrust of groaning without moaning. Well, did you know that there is the groaning of creation? Let me read chapter 8 of Romans, verse 19. The creation waits with eager longing. There's a sense in which creation is craning its neck for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Under the curse of sin, suffering with decay and difficulty, but there will be something different in the new heavens and the new earth. That's the groaning of creation. What about the groaning of believers? Romans 8 verse 23. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our body. You will get a better body. And then thirdly, the groaning of the Spirit. What I found very interesting, I had a look at the, uh, the grammar, at the words. The groaning of creation and the groaning of believers are verbs. But when you get to the groaning of the Spirit, the groaning is a noun. And the verb instead is the Spirit interceding in the midst of our groaning. I'll read the verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our groaning. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us, there's a verb, with groanings too deep for words. You see, the longing of Paul in this chapter includes this anticipation, and again we see it here, it's groaning towards not being found naked, but that we would be further clothed, the new body, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up with life. And then he adds, he adds, uh, that in this era, we are not left just gritting our teeth without help. Verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And, and the guarantee, the presence of the Spirit of the, in the life of the believer, He's changing you. He's transforming you. He's molding you into the likeness of Christ. And that serves as a guarantee for that ultimate transformation of the resurrected body. The Spirit preparing us for heaven, providing us 
a hope with encouragement. There are spiritual battles that are tough. There are difficulties, many difficulties. But I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus. Well, folk, we live in the present, in the present, the certainty of hope. But what I see from Paul here again as well, we must conclude with an attitude of confidence that the cup is not half empty. Now, I don't know about you, but I want you to think about a young lady that is engaged. My daughter got engaged. My one daughter got engaged. Um, sure, when was it? Last year. It was last year. I have married, conducted probably in excess of 200 weddings over the years. I don't remember ever seeing a young lady engaged to be married, miserable and mopey. Have you? It's, it's a season of anticipation. The days of, I remember Jamie sitting at our kitchen table there, daily on a computer, and it's looking for wedding dresses, and it's bridesmaids dresses, and it's uh, menus, and, and it's wedding, and it's, oh, it's all up in the air, and there's no misery, and there's no moping. In anticipation for that, which is better. You see, with all that is waiting us as believers, there's no need to be constantly miserable and mopey. We should not be negative about everything. And so Paul says in verse 6, So we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, even though the preference is to be in paradise, we can have confidence in the present. And this is my point with Christians, me included. The cup already is half full. Rather see it as half full, soon to be full to the brim and overflowing. Rather than seeing it half empty. And I think you know the analogy. Thirdly, we live in the present with the certainty of hope. Resolve to make the right lifestyle choices. We are faced with decisions, options, day by day. Some of, some of the choices we make are neutral. doesn't matter one way or another. But many choices are in a category of right or wrong. From what I gleaned from the Apostle here is the governing factor hinges on what relationship or which relationship you prioritize. You see, Paul is longing to be at home with the Lord. Now, that could be a sermon on, on, on the type of relationship Paul has with Jesus. He loves him. There's, there's connectedness. There's intimacy. It's not just religious duty. And, and so this longing to be with the Lord exposes his heart. You see, if he saw himself as most important, then it's all about self. But instead we see his love and longing for the Lord. And so he says in verse 8 and 9, So we are of good courage, 
We would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away from the Lord, we make it our aim to please Him. Do that which is right, but not just out of duty. We do that which is right to please God. And therefore the urging of of us believers who are to love the Lord, we are to love the Lord with heart and soul and mind, that we make lifestyle choices that are pleasing to God. And adding, and I'm only going to mention this, that no one, no one, not one of us will escape giving an account for the way we live. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Well, let me conclude. The future does affect the present. And so that does prompt the question, important question, is your life in the present affected at all by the reality of heaven and the future with God? See those together. Or, and I want to quote an article I found here, are you thinking, are you asking, and as this quotation comes from an Easter essay from Time magazine some years ago, does heaven exist? What do you think? Does heaven exist? Well, Time magazine article says, it used to be that the year after was virtually palpable. What does he mean by that? That it can be touched or felt or readily perceived. But religion now seems almost allergic to imagining it. And so the editor of Time magazine asks, is paradise lost? And the answer for many people today is yes. Again, quoting the editor of Time magazine, he goes on. He says, for most people, the current generic heaven still delivers when most people need it most, the death of a loved one. Why bother with it any other time? That's quite a challenging question. Another author, David Wells, points out that the intellectual skepticism of our day, I want to add to his quote, because I believe what I would describe as the attractive materialism of our day has had an effect on us people at a personal level. And so therefore it's become difficult. And think about us living in the eastern suburbs of Pretoria, middle, upper class kind of community, thinking it's difficult for people, some people, to conceive of anything that is is really much better than this life. Why would you think anything is better when you've got a house and a boat and a pool and a car and high-definition television and Netflix and... Amazon and Disney Plus. You don't need anything else. What do you want to think about heaven? Do you see the problem that we face in a more affluent kind of society? Why? Why have we seemingly lost sight of this prospect of the presence of God in heaven and have little concern for pleasing God? It seems that The puny pleasures, and they really are puny pleasures if you think about these things, of the world occupy and distract 
us from that which is most important. And so there is an urging in this passage. Believers, do not be pressed into the hopeless mold of this world, devoid of heaven, devoid of hope, devoid of God. Cultivate, nurture from the revelation that God gives us as His Spirit impresses His truth on our hearts, the truth of that which is to come. The resurrection, a vision of heaven, the glory of God. To have courage in this world because we're longing for the time when indeed we will have life with God in heaven. And then make it your goal to please Him. I'm challenged by this passage. Lord, please help us in this and do pray as we even conclude the service now. Lord, that you would broaden our horizons. Enable us, Lord, to see the reality of the brevity of life in the context of eternity. Again, thanking you for your revelation and Lord, for the hope that we have that indeed as we pass from this life, passing into your very presence in the delight and the glory that we will enjoy. And so we commend each other to you, Lord, in this journey, sometimes very difficult. Help us to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.